Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Standing ovation from this crowd. Oh, no. Yeah, well, I got a word for what Kyrie Irving was doing <laughs> against the Boston Celtics. Ballin', Seku Smith, from the Hang Time podcast here, my main man, Lang Whitaker. Yo. In New York. Kyrie saved the bacon, did he not? <laughs> the, the Cavs were down 16. It looked like a struggle for a while in Game 4, but they take a 3-1 series lead. Kyrie with the career-high 42 points, 21 in the third. Most by a LeBron James teammate in a playoff game ever. Pretty impressive. What do you, I mean, you're watching that. Re- I, I know you're watching that and thinking, yeah. what's wrong with LeBron? Is the elbow back? I mean, it was this disconnect. The Celtics up. had like four quarters in a row there where they were terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, the second half of Game 3 and then the first half of Game 4 – the the I mean I'm sorry the Cavaliers, Cavaliers had four yeah. quarters where they were terrible, and then all of a sudden it switched again and they were awesome. Uh, you know that second half, <laughs> four fouls for like, LeBron in the first yeah. half, which was staggering. And then he missed that dunk, and it was at the third quarter when he missed that dunk, and I was thinking, man, when it rains it pours. Yeah. You know, like he can't get anything to go right for him today, and he even misses a wide open dunk. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, it's old LeBron again. It was, <laughs> it was I mean, talking about flipping a switch. The the Cavs, somebody flipped them off in the first half. I, that probably sounds wrong. But, yes. <laughs> and then Kyrie flipped it on in the second half. Turned the flip on. I don't. I, I know a lot of people are the LeBron conversation has changed dramatically, basically in the last what seventy two hours. Yeah, we're talking. You know, a few days ago, people were talking about him. You know, is he ready to challenge MJ for being the goat? And and now. It's kind of like back to this question mark, like, oh, whoa, wait a minute, LeBron had an off game, and this and that. We'll get into the uh, to that a little bit more uh, with our guests this week uh, in a few minutes. But I, do you think the Celtics have a chance to win this game five on their home floor and, and make this series last a few more days? Seriously, do you think they have a shot, or do you think Cleveland puts a foot on the throat and closes them out? I don't know. Um, I really. Can't get a feel. I mean, if the one thing I think you can draw a connection in the the four quarters where the Celtics were playing really well, they were shooting the ball really well, mm-hmm. uh, and they were moving a lot on offense. Yeah, I thought that was the one thing in the second half last night. They they kind of just slowed down, and it, yeah, they, they you you didn't see all those backdoor cuts and Avery Bradley trying to dunk on people, and you know they were kind of relying on their jump shot. And and I think for them when they are playing at their best right now, it's when. It, it, they're passing and cutting, and you're finding open guys going to the basket. Um, and you know, without Isaiah there, all five guys sort of become a threat. I and mean, in some ways, I, I don't know if it's harder for Cleveland to defend, but it's different than what they've been defending. And, yeah. and I think that's probably the the maybe you know maybe that second half last night was them sort of figuring it out. And, and yeah, to wake up. Yeah, and they got kind of used to it. I I feel like Cleveland's gonna win Game Five. I mean, it's it's right. so hard for me to to kind of. <laughs> 
put this in perspective because I was at game two when they were up by 50 points. I know. I got your text the next morning when I, I, I hope you took my response um, the way it was meant. It wasn't, I wasn't being facetious. I was just being like, hey, you know, for those of us who weren't there in the building, you know, I pushed back from the table, but I know what you were getting at. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the moment when you're in, in the arena because it feels much more dramatic in person than it does when you're watching it on TV. You're detached from, you yeah. know, kind of the energy and kind of the, that groundswell of electricity. When you're watching LeBron, I mean, I was watching on TV and I was stunned at how well they were playing and how great and, and bouncy and energetic LeBron looked um, in the passing and just how quick everything they were doing, how crisp it was. You know, because, you know, you've been East, I've been West, the Warriors are doing what I'm doing. They're back at the house waiting on game yeah. one of the finals um, on June 1st. And everybody assumed that the Cavaliers would, would be joining them. And here they are getting ready for a game five Thursday night. I, I just don't uh, know. The thing when, when when we eventually get to this, and it feels like it's inevitable, this Cleveland-Golden State, mm-hmm. the thing that I haven't seen yet from Cleveland is if they're good enough defensively to play against Golden State. They they haven't right. had a team yet in these playoffs that was, you know. Uh, Pozo, yeah. Not, same I would say, like, uh, not challenge. elite, but, you know, even, like, yeah. above-average offensive team. So that that's going to be the interesting thing to see how they're able to adjust to that. Well, somebody on the Warriors could could hit seven threes sure. in a game. I could see that happening. Doing I, I going Marcus Smart three or four guys could do it in a game <laughs> on that Warriors team. <laughs> um, LeBron, by the way, twenty eight points away from passing Michael Jordan for number one all time on the playoff scoring list. Pretty crazy. Even though I mean, he's played fourteen years. He's thirty two years old. He's unbelievable, mm-hmm. and he's about to do something. You know, and he's in it, eventually in his career, he may end up number one on basically every thing, every list you can think yeah. of. But this one coming now in the, in the physical prime of his career is pretty spectacular. Uh, we'll see how long it takes him to get to 28 points and, and to pass MJ. But it'll be it'll just add more fuel to this conversation that we're going to have about LeBron and Jordan and. How do you rank them? This any other? And again, let's let's take a deeper dive into that conversation with uh, a guy. Have we, I'm trying to think if we've had this guy on the podcast. I don't think we, have. if we haven't. It's, it's ridiculous. I'm blaming you. <laughs> yeah, because he's the most hilarious dude of all time. I can't believe we hadn't had now. That was he was had him um, on a hang time podcast. I've before. known him since the late '90s. He was yeah. That's how I got to New York. He hired me at Slam Magazine in uh, right in like 2000. Um, and I've known I knew I met him through you, yeah. and of course called him Reese Ethens for like. Seven or eight years, I used to make that same joke all the time, which I don't think he ever heard it or would have. Now Russ is more famous than enjoyed Reese Evans, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious, but uh, yeah, let's 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 dive more. Let's dive a little deeper into this uh, LeBron conversation, which never gets old, as far as I'm concerned. Russ Bankston, senior editor, Complex, longtime friend of Lang's, and and I've known him for years as well through Lang. Uh, we apologize in advance for taking this many years for you to be on the Hangtime Podcast, man. Appreciate you taking some time. What's happening? It's all right. Uh, not a lot. Thank you for having me. You know, knowing you guys both for a long time, we've had a lot of these conversations in uh, <laughs> in media rooms across the country. So I thought you were going to say bars. Just a natural extension of that. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Look, I, I'm a – I was just out in Lang. He text, He sent me a text, Russ, after game, what, two Lang? Yeah. And and it was like actually, it, it was, was one of those actually it was the day after it was twenty four yeah, hours it was later. Like, 
Right. It was like the morning after tweet. And I was thinking, oh, hell, here we go. This dude's been at the game. He's going to be amped up. And and I'm not going to smash him. But I, I, I tried to be level-headed, Russ, when, when I got the tweet. He was like, what? He's like, tell me what MJ did better than what LeBron's doing right no, now. No, that's not, that's not what I said. What what'd you say? I said, what did MJ do better than what LeBron is doing? And what was my response? Uh, well, the 6-0 in the finals thing, I think you said. I said, yeah, I was like, I don't know, 6-0 in the finals and world domination during the league's golden era. Other than that, not much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, to be honest, I, to be honest. Those, those, are, those are fair things to bring up, I feel like. Those yeah. might be pertinent facts in this conversation. To be honest, before I texted you, Saker, I, I was texting with um, a coworker of ours, mm-hmm. and I asked, he and I were having the same sort of conversation Right. And and the way he put it. I hope he gave you the same response. Basically, I mean, I, I wasn't really looking for an answer. I, I was just kind of, I was just thinking about it in the context of that 50-point win the night before. Right. How right. well LeBron was playing. And, I, and and the way he put it was, I think LeBron does more things, quote, unquote, better. And and so I was just thinking, like, from a skill, just purely skill standpoint, like, what where where was MJ better? I completely. I'm just going to tell you. I completely disagree with this idea that he does more things better, and and I don't mm. know, Russ. You tell me what you think. I, I feel well, like no. Wait, wait. First of all, what, what did MJ do better? I'm just curious. No, you're saying what the what did he do better? I don't know. All of this stuff. He scored better. You know, he was as, as good a passer as he wanted to be. And people act like MJ wasn't a good passer. He just wasn't as willing a passer. But if you go <laughs> back and watch, he he's he's a great passer. He like. He can throw the same no-look passes and, uh, you know, transcendent stuff that LeBron does. MJ did, MJ did all that stuff. And, I mean, and I'm think, like, I think people forget that because it's been so long since you watched him in his prime. And I think it's tough, too, because you look at the way the game is played and things have changed a lot. And also, like, you know, an argument I would always get into is, like, it's you can't make LeBron have not followed Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, right. Everything LeBron does is based on the fact that, you know, he did watch Jordan growing up. He watched Iverson growing up. You know, he watched all these different guys and was able to blend, you know, parts of their game's magic, whoever, you know, into what he's been able to do. And, you know, I don't think anyone has ever questioned that LeBron coming into the league as big as he is, as skilled as he is, as quick as he is, which is still alarming, like, you know, how 15 years into his career – you know, that he has the tools to do things that people have never done before. You know, the, the the tough part for me gets to be comparisons and comparisons across eras. You know, the three-pointer obviously is a lot bigger deal now than it was in Jordan's day. Right. You know, would Jordan have played differently right. had the game been different then? I, I don't know. I don't know. And to go back to Lang's original question, you know, that's – I mean, I, th- I still think his defense, Jordan's defense is way beyond. Yeah, differently. You know, and then there's, the, there's these – intangible things you know it's intensity it's uh you know that drive to win it's you know the same thing that makes you look at his that 50 point win and you know his dominance in that game is what you have to look at the fall off in the next game and i know mm-hmm. richard jefferson now is saying he's sick which sounds like something richard jefferson would say but um <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I don't know yeah you have to look at the whole picture i i feel like too and and lang you know my intention in that response, of course, was me being me um, in our <laughs> conversations. But I, I don't like the idea of having to make the case for LeBron's greatness at the expense of Jordan or Kobe or anybody else. 
I feel like it's unfair. LeBron is phenomenal, extraterrestrial, on his own, without ever bringing Michael Jordan's name into the conversation. Same way Jordan was. So, you know, and, and I feel like in order to just, you know, for some people who weren't, uh, you know, unfortunately for them, aren't old enough right. to, to have seen Jordan, you know, other than in a Wizards jersey maybe at the end of his career, they feel like they have to hold LeBron's accomplishments up to this light. And it's like, no, you don't. Same with I felt the same way we've had conversations about Kobe. Like the comparisons are inevitable, but they're not necessary for me to appreciate what LeBron is doing right now or what any other player is doing in his own space, which is phenomenal. Right. I I, I get what you're saying, but I also think the comparisons are, are how we decide who's better. And and, and maybe that's a, a, you know, a dumb metric to go by, but we, we want to know who's the best of all time. Who's the best to ever do it. And I don't, I don't know if, you know, it's, it's also kind of strange because we're sitting here comparing a guy who's arguably in his prime and has time left um, to to someone who's done and to other guys who are done. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's an unfair comparison from that standpoint, but I don't think it has to be like this binary thing either. I think we can, we can, there's levels here and we don't have to say it's this guy or that guy. You know, we, we can say, well, he was good at this. He was good at that. And, you know, but I, I, I knew this was coming after that game. Just, <laughs> yeah. I've been to so many Cavs games in the, in this postseason um, and seeing them in person and seeing LeBron, and I, I told you from the first week of the playoffs that he was locked in and playing at a level like I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. You've been to so many of those games, he's going to walk into the next pressure and be like, Lang, you only show up when we win. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, Russ, let I, me I mean, ask you the same question yeah. I've been asking a lot of people. What would Is there anything LeBron could do on the court to move Jordan out of the way of, the, of that number one spot in your mind, if if Jordan is the guy that you think holds that number one spot right now in terms of all-time player, great players in the NBA? I mean, to me, like, I, I don't know. You know, Jordan for me has always been the number one. And, you mm-hmm. know, I grew up a huge Jordan fan. I grew up during his prime and, you know, watched him from the beginning there thereabouts. And, like, you know, to me, that's going to be a hard thing for anyone to surpass. Um, yeah. I've always looked at it as, you know, can you – can you play yourself into that conversation to be the greatest of all time? And the fact that we are all having these conversations, you know, means like he's in the conversation, you know, people are talking about it. And I don't think anyone's saying that like LeBron doesn't even belong in the conversation. You know, he can't go back in time, obviously, and go six for six in the finals. I don't think, which is, I think kind of a fake or false metric anyway, because, you know, you can't punish him for having dragged this Cavaliers team in 2007 to the finals where the Spurs were like, ooh, food. You know, like, I don't think anyone expected him at that age to be able to win a championship. The fact that they got there. Sasha Pavlovic said he'll meet you outside, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. Sasha Pavlik and uh, <laughs> Zajuna Sagalska said, "Meet us outside at three, and we're going to tap that." You know, I, I they don't appreciate Sasha Pavlovic might be working as a doorman here, so I don't know. I mean, that's entirely possible. Sasha Pavlovic is for tall people, tall Eastern <laughs> European looking people. You know, so for some people like who who swear by that, oh, you can't lose the finals. 
you know, that argument was lost already. But to me, like, making seven straight finals, you know, like, talk who you want about him taking games off or whatever, which I still think is crazy, and Jeff Van Gundy's going to meet me outside for that. Um, <laughs> you know, he he's plays, like, 95 games a year and plays in the finals every year. Like, we take it as a matter of fact that he's going to be in the finals. We take it as a matter of fact that he's going to, like, have to put up these lines of, like, you know, 39, 11, and 9, like, every night. I see people talking about how last night he wasn't that impressive, and it's like, yo, he had, like, 34 points. Like, after having to go out of the game with foul trouble, he shot 56% from the floor. Like, I, I don't know what people want from him, you know. People, he does more, and people just continue to want more. Um, you know, I, I expected him to start falling off a little bit by now. He's played 50,000 minutes, including the playoffs. Like, he's played more career minutes than Jordan has, and he's still, you know, obviously very firmly in his prime. Um, you know, I think by the time he's done with everything, I don't know. I mean, he's going to have broken everything there is to break, you know, short yeah. of that finals perfection, which clearly he could never do. So, you know, I think for certain people, the argument ended back in 2007. But, you know, he keeps throwing this stuff up there, you know, and in an era where it's like we tear apart every game over and over and over and over again. You know, it's like that's what bothered me the most about that 11-point game. And when they lost, it's like, you know, we're going to fault him for this. And it's like, does it? Are any of you people really thinking that they're going to drop this series? Because, like, that's what matters. <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. sure, he had a bad game, but they're going to the finals. You know, like, I don't, I don't think anyone doubts that. I was Again. a little nervous. I was a little nervous at halftime last night. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, well, that, that, that was looking a little, a little suspicious. But, uh, you know, they figured it out. Kyrie, Kyrie put together quite the quite the game. Yeah, he was all right. Too. Here's the thing, um, you know, the, and you mentioned that the finals perfection thing, and that was, you know, the first thing Sekou mentioned when I asked. That's the that's the one thing that yeah, LeBron can never right. compete with. You know, no matter what he does, no matter if they win six straight finals right now, you can say, "Well, he wasn't undefeated in the finals." Right. You know, that's <laughs> right. It, it, it's it's hanging it's it's hanging around in the air. Forever, like you said, right? It's the one thing he he's won't unbeaten. ever be able to. He, you know, to, he's the undefeated. Here, here's a good. Here's some like Tom Ziller this morning from SB Nation put out some stats. I thought it was interesting. MJ in the playoffs for his career one nineteen and sixty. LeBron in the playoffs for his career one forty two and sixty nine. It's MJ has a sixty six percent winning percentage. LeBron has a seventy one percent winning percentage. Mm. Um, triple doubles in the playoffs. MJ two. LeBron seventeen. Um, MJ Finals record, and this is where this is where it, it changes. MJ Finals record twenty four and eleven. LeBron Finals record seventeen and twenty three. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know what the worst thing is? Whatever argument you want to make, you're going to be able to find yeah. pieces on the on the table you can move to to bolster. But your not case. that six and zero oh, man. That's the one that that's, <laughs> but exactly. That's that the one is thing. never going away. Yeah. You can't move that and, like, but also it's like, I mean, there obviously, I mean, we can all attest to this, I feel like. You know, there's obviously been a lot of myth-making around Jordan. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't deny that record, but. <laughs> We've been a large you know, part of that, Russ. You and I have both, <laughs> yeah, no, to be no, honest. Absolutely, absolutely. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm still proud of that. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's like we want it to be that you know, the Bulls were driven to all those finals victories behind Jordan's will. And, like, you know, he was the one who, 
you know, push them through a lot of this stuff. And if you believe that, you know, then you kind of have to take the opposite attack and be like, well, the the Heat or the Cavaliers didn't win because LeBron couldn't will them past it. And it's like, you know what? I mean, sometimes you run into the better team. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just lose. I mean, look at yeah. the look at the numbers he put up against the Warriors two years ago when they lost. It's like, I don't think you can't really look at LeBron's performance in that finals and say like he left something on the floor or that, you know, Oh, if he only did better, they might've won. You know, it's like they ran into the better team. And then to look at what he did last year, I mean, did Jordan ever do anything like that? You know, it's, I I don't know. You know, that, that's where, yeah. You know, on the other side of that argument though, is people always say, well, Jordan never had to worry about a game seven or a three one deficit. I, I'm with you on that. You know what the most important thing you mentioned, Russ, though, that I, that I think is lost in this conversation? Six and We didn't – no, we didn't dissect every <laughs> Jordan – yeah, we didn't, we didn't go over the, the highlights of every Jordan game and dissect it the way we do now when, in Jordan, you know, when Jordan was living through this. And if we had maybe our daily conversations about him and the team and the times and – these finals and everything changes. Maybe like if Dennis Rodman had a Twitter account, everything yeah, would have been like, different. Good lord! Yeah, Michael Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be on He'd be choking somebody out and shooting. Do you think MJ would have followed Rodman on Twitter if they'd been around back then? Would Jordan have been on Twitter back then? Well, Who knows? I mean, Rodman, you know? Rodman probably would have gotten blocked. Like, I mean, would have gotten like banned. Like within minutes, probably of starting his account. But uh, you know, I mean, if TMZ was like you know having yeah. these breathless reports about Jordan being in Atlantic City gambling and right. you know whatever else, if Jordan had to exist in this environment where he couldn't really you know basically control the media that came out about him to the point that you know when the true stuff did come out, like Jordan rules or whatever, like people didn't really get on Jordan for it as much as they got on Sam Smith for like talking about this stuff, <laughs> putting like, it, yeah, for letting you. it all out. It was the leakers. Um, <laughs> this is you know, fake news. I, I, I just don't know how he would have managed this actual environment um, yeah. or what our opinion of Jordan would have been given this environment and the way it all works now. You know, and that's the thing. Like, we remember the high points. You know, we remember the shot. We remember the last shot. Um, we remember the flu game. And we remember them all in ways that – you know, just add to that myth. Um, You know, I'll be very curious and, you know, I won't be around for it, but I'm I'm curious like 40 or 50 years from now, how people will remember LeBron's career, you know, whether it'll be, you know, literally just the high points or, you know, there'll be the lows. I mean, I guess there are the lows with Jordan. You have that famous ad about, you know, I missed however many shots and X amount of times I, you know, took the last shot and missed, but it's like somehow even the failures have become like, Right, <laughs> just more illuminating of the success, and it's like, oh, how humble he is. But like, we don't watch. I couldn't call up like a, a GIF of Jordan missing a game-winning shot. Right. I don't know. I assume they've all been deleted off the internet. I can only find Swaggy P <laughs> running out that three and celebrating in advance. You mentioned that. Uh, I, I blame Jordan for this. Well, so hold on. You mentioned that you know the the flu game and the, each of these things gets mythologized. Well, that's because the Jordan brand puts out a shoe for each one of those things that happens. Yeah, but you know what? It's his fault, Lang. If he didn't hit that damn game winner at North Carolina and start this whole thing going, if he did, you know, let's let's be honest. 
when the moment was its biggest mm-hmm. on those biggest stages, he always came through. It's his fault. Just like I'm blaming Jordan like a couple for weeks being ago, this successful and ruining this argument. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Washington D.C. a couple of weeks ago for uh, for the who, I don't even remember Wizards Celtics series, and the Celtics practiced at Georgetown. You know, in their practice facility. I was standing there waiting to go in, and they have a huge Jumpman logo right outside the gym. And I was like, this is the dude who beat you in the finals. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> you have a Jumpman that logo outside. Of, like, Yeah, but, like, I mean, come on. That's, this is the one guy who <laughs> took, took the championship away from you, and you got a logo of him outside your gym. That's my point, though. It's his fault. Yeah. If he hadn't set the bar this high, we, would, you know, we wouldn't have to have these chasing ghost crimes. Bill Russell, when, when we were in Houston for All-Star, the last time I got a chance to sit down with him mm. and foolish me. I asked him this question about that. Like, you know, about comparing eras and this and, that, and he's like, you guys got to stop chasing ghosts with current players. He's like, they never had to do it. He said, Jordan never had to be held to a light that Dr. J established or somebody else, you know, while he was playing. This is a recent phenomenon, not, not the scrutiny and the comparing to the past eras, but the way we do it. You know the the nonstop round the clock instant analysis that didn't exist. You had to re, you had to wait to read stuff in the paper. You I know, mean, I, I, fifty I would agree years with ago, that. it's different. And, and I would also agree that you know it, it's Jordan's fault, it's our fault, and it's Nike's fault too. Like you know, for for kind of making Jordan like this ahistorical figure. Like there was there to some degree when it came to Jordan. Like you never compared him to previous players other than right. as foils for his own greatness. You know, it's like we never looked at Jordan and we're like, well, only five more titles to catch up with Bill Russell. <laughs> right. You know, it's like there wasn't that shadow of Bill Russell hanging over Jordan at every single possible moment. Like Jordan existed kind of in his own universe. And I feel like, you know, comparing LeBron to him, to some people at least, you know, almost offends. You know, it's almost a case of like, my God, we can't put anyone else in Jordan's orbit. Like, that's not possible. Like, no one was ever in there. Like, you don't want to put anyone in there now. And Kobe, you know, I think Kobe got comparisons, but, you know, Kobe was always looked at as someone, you know, who was just following Jordan's footsteps and following Jordan's footsteps very closely. And that was kind of okay, you know, until the point where anyone wanted to think like, oh, he's – an equal. He's on that like, level. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, no. We can't talk about that. And LeBron, I feel like, has done things entirely differently to the point of, you know, and I know he switched back, but even switching his number once he went to Miami. And, like, right. you know, when he was seen as just kind of following along in Jordan's footsteps and, like, you know, trying to emulate Jordan, it was okay. But when you try and carve your own lane and, you know, dare suggest that you might be seen as the best player ever that's when it starts to get problematic yeah well he switched to bill russell's number in miami (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly exactly no that's true and and dr j but isn't it though like uh, i mean it partly it seems to me like we didn't compare mj to russell because they were so they were so different on the court you know like one's a shot blocking big man and the other guy's a, a two guard basically and lebron is probably I mean, I mean, he's a lot of times he's the biggest player on the court, but he's still a lot of times the fastest guy and the quickest guy, and he plays on the perimeter a lot. And I, I feel like we probably make that comparison because of the positions they play. The other thing is, you know, Rush, you're saying we didn't compare Jordan to Dr. J and these other guys because he was better. Like, <laughs> it was pretty clear, I think, to me, 
throughout that time that we were watching, you know, we kind of knew it early on. I think that, that this guy was one of the all time greats. Um, and it was, it was sort of like we were able to just celebrate him in the moment instead of trying to figure out, is he going to be better than this person or that person? We knew this might be as good as it gets. And we were able to kind of watch that. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm older than you, obviously Lang, mm. and I, and, I'm not telling anybody's age, but Russ, I'm pretty sure we're in the same age range. I remember my dad and his buddies having conversations about LeBron, I mean, about uh, Jordan when I was a kid, before he won titles, questioning whether, like, yeah, this, you know, he's unbelievable, but I don't know if he'll ever be a champion. Like, the fact that it took Jordan going through the Pistons and, and kind of getting vetted the way he did as a champion, people forget about that stretch of his career where there were questions like people were saying well he'll be a great individual player he's gonna score a lot of points i don't know if he'll ever be a champion to me once he solved the championship question that changed the narrative about jordan you know in his career early on there were people who were like well he's all flash but i don't know if he'll be a champion because magic and bird were the faces of the league Mm -hmm. people you know that was a very real thing you know prior to jordan coming in and taking over the weird thing about it to me guys was how quickly Magic and Bird pronounced this is the dude. Like, yeah. they were not shy about admitting it. Nowadays, nobody ever seems like they want to give anybody else credit for being a great player. <laughs> Bird was like, yeah, hey, he's like, this dude Jordan's unbelievable. And he did that before Jordan won a championship. Yeah. Didn't Bird right, say it was God right. in a Michael no, Jordan you, uniform? Yeah. yeah. You certainly you certainly weren't going to get that out of Kobe with someone, regards no. to someone else or, or out of Shaq. I mean, Shaq, I, I think or, yeah. You know, they were all obviously firm believers that they were the best, and right. they had their own issues. I don't know. I mean, I, I think, like, you know, up until Jordan, and again, I mean, Lang, like you say, like, it's true. Like, at some point, it became obvious that he probably was the greatest at that yeah. point, having been reinforced by a lot of different things. Sure. But I feel like up to up to Jordan – the best player in the NBA or in NBA history was a very, very, very subjective thing. There wasn't really a thought that there was an objective best player ever. Right. Because you had some people, you know, talking about Bird. You had some people talking about Magic. You had some people talking about, you know, whether it's Oscar or Wilt or Kareem. 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 You know, I think always gets left yeah. out of the conversation. I'm they, they all kind of had their own yeah. champions. And, like, you know, for you could make the case still. I feel like if, and I think I've, I've, I actually wrote something about this a long time ago. But you know, if points were your thing, if all time, you know, the all time greatest scorer, okay, then it's Kareem. If it's individual dominance in a season, then it's probably Wilt, you know, or Oscar, depending on which way you wanted to go. Right. If it was championships, it's Bill Russell. And then, like, somehow all of that kind of, you know, and Jordan doesn't measure up in any of those regards, really. I mean, he, yes, he's had statistically dominant seasons. He's won a lot of championships in the modern era. He scored a lot of points. You know, but if you want to pick, like, the individual leader in any of those things, then you have to consider different people. You know, Jordan was the first one, I feel like, who, you know, people just decided, okay, this is it, and here's the one thing he did that no one else can likely ever match. Yeah, I guess, you know, that, that'll be the true test. You know, if someone comes along and does win six championships in six tries or seven championships in seven tries, will they be considered the best ever? Right. Yeah, LeBron Jr., when he comes in and um... – <laughs> It's t- 
time. <laughs> it's time to take over. You know, the other the other thing that cracks me up about it, too, is, and, and these conversations are had everywhere. I walked into my barbershop the other day, and you know the first thing out of everybody's mouth was, you know, LeBron MJ. The thing that always gets me about this is the the different narratives that come along. As you mentioned, you could go through this different categories, and this guy would be the best, this guy would be that. I, I would argue that, and Lang has made this point many times, who was ever more dominant at his very best than Shaq? Physically just mm-hmm. unstoppable. Right. Um, I think Jordan's, the other thing that Jordan has that separates him in this conversation for a lot of people is he's seen, which I don't know if it's fair or not, but he's seen as the most cutthroat right. assassin-like competitor of the all-time great competitors because really this is a conversation that what seven or eight guys are in this conversation in in the annals of of nba history it's not like we're talking about the entire league you know anything like that there there's always a separation we start using titles or whatever to take different guys out of the conversation um and, and and that's fair you have to have some way of separating the best of the very best there's got to be some some different categories and parameters you use jordan to me it feels like he just embodied and, and maybe it's the timing of it and the way his career went and all that but he just embodied all of the best attributes of a champion because a guy who didn't win rings is if you didn't win a ring you're automatically excluded from this conversation right right, right. like right. no dude who's never won a championship we we never talk about a dude who never won a title being one of the all-time or being the best player in NBA history right no, no you know nobody gets in the conversation, conversation. Right, right. So, I mean, I think and, and t- uh, when you start setting up the reasons why you exclude this guy or that guy, when we get to championships, and, and I always use this phrase, Lang, you know how this is my favorite, the concentrated brilliance of what Michael Jordan did in the era he did it, in what is seen by many people as the golden era of the league, when it was at its most cutthroat competitive with as many future Hall of Famers as you could count up and down the Eastern and Western conferences, you know, on the tail end of Magic and Bird, before we got to Shaq, Kobe, and that generation, he was the dominant figure. And not that he should be dinged for that. Like, I don't know why he gets knocked for that. He he can't help when he came along and when he dominated. Could Wilt have played in a different era and been just as big a freak of nature? I don't know. Right. You know, I, I have right. no idea. But we can only judge a guy based on when he did. came through, what he did, and, you know, and those facts. And I feel like LeBron is getting cheated out of this conversation because his era is not seen as, well, you know, this era and this the, the way they play and the style. I'm like, man, if you put LeBron in any era with his makeup and the way – I mean, he's a problem. I don't care when he plays. He's a problem. And and that yeah. goes for a lot of these guys. That I don't think it changes just because you, you would try and envision him in a different area and could he do the same things he does now. He's Like you said, Lang, you look out there, we're laughing about he's bigger now, Horf. He's bigger than everybody on the Celtics that, that was yeah. on the floor. <laughs> I agree. I mean, the, I mean, the things that also get brought up a lot are, A, like, so those guys who played in the 50s and 60s, they had to fly coach and they had one trainer and, yeah. and they've had to play five games and six nights and all that stuff. And they had to wear, like, or, flip-flops Chuck on Taylor's the Chuck Taylor's with sloppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the uh, – 
the the other it goes the other way and they say well the guys now they played this five on you know i mean five man out style of play and there's no hand checking and and they're shooting threes and they're scoring more points that way i i feel like all that stuff is sort of just distractions it doesn't like if larry bird played now i don't think his stats are you know going to be all that much different i i feel like you know who these guys as great as they are the really great guys are going to find a way to be successful no matter what no matter the circumstances the yeah. yeah i agree with maybe that. bird wasn't drinking pap's blue ribbon at halftime either like maybe he wouldn't <laughs> be drinking beer and smoking cigarettes after you know what i mean it's, it was it, it was different the energy just, of the 80s. <laughs> i mean it, all of that to me goes into the conversation this is why i like somebody put a meme out well, not of me. I guess not of me. But they, it, it was on social media about comparing LeBron and Bird at the same age. And Bird's numbers were better in basically mm-hmm. every category. But Bird didn't play another 10 years. You know, he didn't yeah. – physically he couldn't play that as long as LeBron is going to end up playing. Well, that's not Larry Bird's fault, and it's not LeBron's right. fault. It's just right. the way it is. And that's why I love to to throw this into the conversation. Like, let's let's not talk about – okay, let's say – Who's the greatest player of all time? Is it Jordan? Is it is it LeBron? Is it Kareem? And I always say, just think about it like this. If we just went from your basketball existence, the time you first picked up a basketball to the day you retired as a basketball player, all all of these guys we're talking about would be in the conversation. And does it really matter? Like, do you have to figure out the one, the two, the three? Just include these seven or eight dudes. <laughs> And let people argue about it for eternity. I also I mean, feel like it's there's okay. no sense in trying to come and, and, and up like, with a one, two, it, three. It's it's probably hypocritical and all because, as Lang knows, Slam did a lot of lists and actually did things <laughs> like in numeric order, which we yeah. paid the price for a lot. <laughs> but thank you. I'm I'm definitely on your side with that. Like to me, it's still about the conversation. It's about putting guys in specific groups and yeah. you know if you want to you can we can argue all day whether Will Chamberlain is better than Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and we can argue for a month straight and we're not going to be any closer to figuring it out there is no <laughs> right. real answer there's no real yeah. answer whether any of these guys are better than any of the others you know to me it's just a feeling and it's like you know obviously I'm never going to argue against Jordan if people want to say Jordan is the best ever if they want to carve it in the statue in Chicago like they did you know I'm not going <laughs> to be like no no way you can't even say that but you know if someone wants to argue with me that LeBron you know when he retires or you know if he ever retires he might play forever but you know and say he was the best player ever I'm a I'm not going to be like, whoa, 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 that's ridiculous. Because I don't think it is, you know? And it's funny, you talk about killer instinct, and like, yes, I think Jordan's killer instinct was probably better than anyone's, although I feel like Bird was way up there, too. Yeah, that that was Um, the first thing I thought of. Yeah, and Kareem. I mean, Magic, yeah. I mean, these guys are all He could throw a skyhook and he could throw a punch. So, um, (laughs) but, uh, you know, here's what strikes me about LeBron, and, and I don't know if I'd even thought about it in this context before, but like, you know, LeBron, you know, at heart, if if you wanted to paint him as anything, he's a facilitator. You know, he facilitates for himself a lot, but you know, he's always looking for he's looking for the pass. He's looking for the best scoring play and whatever else. Looking at him in that light and, you know, barring injury and barring like boredom from rolling over everyone in yeah. the East, he could still wind up as the leading scorer in NBA history. As a guy who you know, scoring isn't even necessarily his best his, attribute, like, yeah. Top priority. That's insane. Yes. Like, that yeah. makes no sense. And I think, you know, all these arguments, 
And I think people have been arguing about LeBron being the best in that best ever discussion for years now. But it's just getting more interesting as you watch him like pass guys on the all time charts now. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. oh wait, he's got more thirty point scoring games in the playoffs than Kobe ever did. Like that, that's crazy. Yeah, I w- you know, and the, and the the best and worst part of it is it's left up to your imagination. You know. Uh, I got a 14-year-old son who who never got a chance to see Jordan in his prime, obviously. Didn't get a chance to see Kobe and Shaq when they were at their best. In his mind's eye, you know, LeBron is the iconic figure of his time. And mm. the, ch- the challengers aren't Magic, Bird, Jordan, Kobe. Well, Kobe to an extent. You know, he's looking at Steph. Yeah, right. And Russell Westbrook. Right. KD. And, and KD and these guys as his touchstone players. And a lot of it is generational. I remember, I, I'll never forget, I remember my uncles like laughing at me and my brother when we were kids, when Jordan was in, you know, entering into his prime, when we even raised this, the specter of Jordan being an all-time, like, oh, man, Jordan's going to be the greatest player of all time. And they were kind of like, what, you know, whatever. And, and rest their souls. They, they've moved on, obviously. Mm. They've passed on. But they were like, if you think, He's going to ever be considered a greater player than Wilt Chamberlain, Oscar Robinson, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You're crazy. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I'm, yeah. who am I to dismiss, you know, the future and what might come down the road? I'm just – I just hope we get a chance to see whatever the next iteration of the – you know, of LeBron, of Jordan, of Kobe, whoever. Like, if it's Giannis or whoever, if this guy's somewhere in diapers right now, whoever the next – guy is that rises to this conversation to this level of where we're even considering him being a part of the conversation as the greatest right. of all time i hope i'm around for that is all i'm thinking and, in my head. And, i just want to be around you know for if it. it's someone who builds on what lebron has done right. in the same way lebron built on what kobe and jordan did and jordan built yes. on what like good god that's going to be terrifying like i'm, yeah. I'm not even ready for that <laughs> He's gonna be. It's gonna be somebody that's seven foot five with uh, Allen Iverson handles. Who plays point guard? You know, so, I mean, because where, where where can you go from here? Really nobody from saw sixty feet. I mean, nobody saw LeBron coming like this. No, you know, like no, no one expected him to be able to play like this. The one thing Russ said about the you know the generational thing, I was uh, I, I told you guys I was DMing with uh, Chuck D earlier mm-hmm. this week, mm-hmm. trying to get him on the podcast. But we were talking about this. And he he made the point of you know the generational thing you, you know you got to talk to these to guys who were around in the different eras who played the different eras who can um, put context to this whole thing and then it made me think about how every time we talk to those guys who played in the different eras they all say their era was the best so right. yeah, everybody right. always yeah. claims their era was the so best, yeah. I think it's up to us to decide this not those guys yeah 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 I, I don't know if I want to go back to those guys for for. You know, because they'll devalue the modern guys. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ever since Rick Fox told us that Benoit Benjamin would be an all star if he played now. Oh my gosh, that was one. That was one of the greatest hang time podcasts ever, by the way. But 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 it's funny too. Like you know, thinking and you know, oh, getting old is annoying sometimes. But um, you know, it's like when we watch Jordan, it's like you know, someone would bring up Bill Russell or whatever, and you could see, like, the occasional highlight on, like, the NBA Superstars tape or something, and it's that mm-hmm. sped-up, like, Babe Ruth-looking black-and-white stuff where it's like, well, what is this? I can't I can't deal with this. And not too long ago, I was talking to a, a young NBA guy, and I, I don't want to name any names, but someone might have called him a unicorn once. And I asked him <laughs> if, he wa- if he watched Jordan highlights, and he's like, he's like, man, I, I, I can't. 
I try, but like I can't watch highlights that aren't in HD. And it's like, <laughs> man, like all of a sudden, like the Jordan Damn highlights the are like, you know, that's the ancient archival yeah. stuff now yeah. for guys who are in their twenties. Yes, you know, so yes. you know they're seeing the same stuff of Jordan that we would have seen of like Doc or whatever else. Right, right. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you that something that's timeless though, and I and I thought about this when I saw the documentary and it made, it reminded me of I don't care when you play there's something about walking into a gym and when you see transcendent talent you see somebody who's playing at a speed or at a level or in a way that defies everything else going on in the room at that time that's what resonates and I'm and mm. I'm talking about that bird magic documentary and they showed the footage of the practice when they were playing, it was like the USA yeah. team and, Monte, and Bird and Magic were kind of showboating. Monte Carlo. During, it was just a practice. In Monte, yeah, No, 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 not then. When they were young, when they were in uh, college. Remember the year mm. before they met in the championship game? In that Bird Magic documentary, they, somebody found footage of a scrimmage with the, you know, with, like at the, uh, what, what used to be called? They used to do it in Colorado Springs. Maybe. The US Select oh. team? Gosh. Yeah, it's like the... God, what was yeah, the name of that thing they used to do? And it would be like the East, the West, or whatever. And they were getting old. Um, but if you watched, <laughs> if you just watched like the passes and the way they were both playing, it reminded me like I don't care what era you see that. If you took those two dudes at that a at that time in there, in that space, and put them in a gym in in two thousand and seventy five or eighteen sixty five. They were going to stick out like, holy, like, you are watching something that is otherworldly. And to yeah. me, that's what's awesome about LeBron. If if LeBron happened all the time, we'd see, you know, we would have had this conversation more. Hello. Oh, I whoa, think another who, guest. Who Hello. is that? Back <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Back in 50 years you're going to be having the same conversation with your friends, I'm my four man. now. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. You definitely will. <laughs> Sorry. In 54 years, Beck and his boys will be having this conversation comparing whoever the player of that day is to Michael Jordan, LeBron, right. Magic, Kareem, you know. And maybe it is, maybe that's what it is, guys. Maybe it's a generational conversation that's meant to be had over and over and over and over again. <laughs> oh, I'm glad boy. we had it today. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we had it today. Um, it took too long, Russ, for us no. to get you on the Hangtime Podcast. We won't wait this long again. Love to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah let, me know, let me know when Chuck D gets back and, you know, he's in it. We could, yes. all, we could all do it. Yeah, let's chop, sure. it, let's chop it up with Chuck D maybe next time. Russ Bingston, Senior Editor at Complex, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast, man. Good to talk to you as always. Thank you, guys. You too. All right. Talk soon. Take care. See you, man. Need to decompress from that heavy Jordan conversation, LeBron conversation with our man Russ Bankston, and look forward to a little bit of draft chatter from our main man, Scott Howard Cooper, joining us for the Draft Scotlight. Scott Cooper, how are you, sir? I am great. I'm great, especially after that buildup. Wow, the Scotland. You like that? Lang, 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 like that. Yeah, I think he, I came uh, up with it. He's so. going to trademark that thing. Um, listen, let's let's just cut to the chase. The Lakers are taking Lonzo Ball, right? I mean, they're not going to deny us uh, the the sheer entertainment of Levar Ball 
crowing about him talking this thing into existence, right? I was going to say, you're not even concerned about the basketball aspect. You just want the, <laughs> I just the want reality the TV all I want. slice of things with LeVar in Los Angeles <laughs> and Magic and all of that. I would say you're probably right. I don't think it's a done deal. I think that when they bring in, they will try to bring in De'Aaron Fox, and there's every chance in the world that by the time Fox leaves at the end of that day that the Lakers executives will be looking at each other thinking maybe this isn't such an easy call. I think De'Aaron Fox is a guy that has a chance to blow teams away in the few workouts that he does, including the Lakers at number two. I still think that Lonzo Ball is their guy, but I don't think it's a done deal. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't watch a ton of college basketball, Scott, but even I know that didn't when they played each other, didn't De'Aaron Fox destroy <laughs> Lonzo Ball? Yes, he did, and that's something that people obviously uh, will be looking at. Uh, and that's why I say that it's not a it's not a done deal. Hmm. Uh, different kinds of players. Aaron Fox plays with a speed that very very few people can match. Uh, think John Wall uh, with the ball. Not just we're not just talking foot race. I'm talking about speed right. with the ball, the ability to push the tempo. And there's a lot of the John Wall comparisons because of that, and obviously the Kentucky connection. Uh, and yes, he did take him apart, especially in the tournament. But that's not. To, but Lonzo obviously has his uh, has his strong points as well. Wait a minute. No, because I'm trying. To, didn't they play twice, Kentucky and UCLA? Yeah, once in the regular season in Lexington, and right, then in the right. tournament as well. Did Fox? Did Fox manhandle ball the first time? I know UCLA won the first game. I got to find the box score to see. Whether or not uh, it was I don't think lopsided. manhandle, not certainly not to the extent of the tournament, but right. I know that that the Kentucky people felt very good about how that matchup went. We'll put it that way. Right. Uh, right. It just didn't get nearly the attention because of the time of the year ah, okay. and uh, because UCLA won. Right. So Scott, people have talked so much about this draft and how deep it is, um, and the fact that you know it's point guard heavy, obviously, um, or at least. What passes for point guards in this day and age? I don't, I don't know that they're traditional point guards. Who's the guy among the the lottery picks or projected lottery picks that we're not talking about that a year from now everybody will be saying, "Man, you should have paid more attention to this guy." Who's that? Who's going to be the guy that kind of comes out of this group that surprises people? Maybe. Well, that's a good one. I don't know about a year from now because uh, a lot of the guys we're talking about are also one and done, so they're. Mm-hmm. You may need a few more years to develop, but I'll give you a couple names of people outside, let's say, outside the top ten. I'm sorry, outside the top five, because if you're talking lottery picks, everybody's going to know Fox, Tatum, Jackson, obviously Folsom Ball, and some of those names. Uh, but there's a few other people. Jonathan Isaac mm-hmm. is a uh, power forward, small forward at Florida State. Uh, who has not gotten a great deal of attention, certainly not compared to some of the others that we've named, but in NBA circles, he's very well known. That's a name that could jump up. I have him right now going to the Knicks at number eight. Whether they have Carmelo Anthony or not this year, and I know that they would love to make a trade if they could, if Carmelo agrees to it. Right. Uh, at some point, they're, they're going to have life after Carmelo in the, in the pretty near future, so Jonathan is a guy that fits into their... Uh, a player in uh, at Arizona, Lowry Markinen. Uh, I don't want to say he's Kristaps Porzingis or <laughs> Dragon Bender because it's it's a different kind of player, but it's along those lines in terms of a European stretch four. The only difference is 
uh, Lowry has the one year of NCAA ball, but he's a, a seven footer who has shown terrific range uh, out to the three point line, and I think is one of those people that will have a very long and successful future. Zach Collins got a lot of run by the time Gonzaga got deep into the NCAA tournament, especially for what he did uh, in the semifinal game, 14 points, 13 rebounds, six blocks to get the Zags into the championship game. Uh, That's a name that you're going to be hearing a lot of as well. I like Collins, by the way. Um, just a little bit I've seen of him, and and like Lang, we don't, you know, you know how this, Scott. We don't pay attention to it <laughs> like you do. We just don't. I mean, you're, that's the reason you're the expert. Um, you've seen these guys. What what's the trait of the in your estimation? What's the what's the quality that these guys have to have? in order to make a smoother transition than maybe the average guy? Because there's really never any rhyme or reason to it. There's no guarantee that, you know, because a guy gets picked in a certain spot, he, his tran- you know, he blossoms or his transition goes a certain way. To me, so much of it is hit and miss. What's the one thing in your estimation or that you've noticed, you know, in recent seasons that's the biggest factor for a guy making a smooth transition to the league? Probably maturity. Uh, we can sit here all we want and talk about De'Aaron Fox and his speed and Lowry Markin and his shooting ability and uh, some of these some of these other guys. But if you're not ready to make that jump emotionally, that's going to be a big setback because it requires so much discipline. Uh, when there's not, you're going from a world where the assist, there's an assistant coach or somebody making sure you turned in your paper on time for your history class and and making sure that you're there on time for the bus. and uh, you'll. But that's a world where you have games, what, twice a week? You may get into uh, into the early season, uh, the tournaments, the invitationals, and it would be a busy week if you play three games. Mm-hmm. Now, as you know, you go to the NBA, and it's practice, almost, or practice or a game almost every single day. Uh, it's not unusual to have a week with four games, and sometimes that will be in three different cities. So much about it is how you carry yourself, how you prepare yourself, and that get, and that doesn't even get into the other aspects like how late do you stay out to party on the road, or are you doing what's necessary to keep yourself prepared? If you go through a stretch as a rookie where maybe you're not playing a lot, are you still showing up early to practice the next day and leaving late? Are you putting in the extra work before the games, or are you starting to get frustrated because you've gone from the guy on your college team to maybe the 12th man on the NBA team. You cannot get frustrated. You cannot get, shall we say, distracted by the nightlife. Uh, you just have to be able to handle it. And, and that, again, that's before you even get into things like talent. It's just about how you prepare and how you carry themselves. Those are the things that make a huge difference when you talk about the transition. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Scott Howard Cooper of NBA.com, our draft guru, joining us for the uh, Scottlight, as we like to call it around here. Um, listen, we know you're super busy, you know, in the lead up to the draft, but make make a couple minutes for you guys, would you, Scott? Every day. You call me every day. I'll be here. <laughs> My man, appreciate it. Fight on, sir. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Scott. NBA draft coverage. You can find it on NBA.com. Scott Howard Cooper's fantastic stuff. NBA.com slash draft. The draft is June 22nd. 
Lang uh, is probably going to be in the house that night. I know you're usually there, Lang. Yep. Um, so get your get your Twitter fingers ready for that. Um, John Schumann apparently, Lang, is locked in the lab crunching his numbers in preparation for the finals. I don't know when we'll <laughs> we'll see or hear from him again. He's in the shelter uh, until further notice. So we missed out this week on our Schumann stat. But uh, hopefully the conversation with Russ Bankston made up for that. Fantastic stuff. Um, people be talking about it forever. And then we got a, a cameo from, from Beck Whitaker, um, the youngest <laughs> and best uh, member of the Hangtime Podcast crew. Appreciate him taking some time out before he heads to preschool to uh, to get on the mic. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Be sure to leave a review. Uh, and don't miss our special NBA Finals preview on Tuesday next week before we get to Oakland for game one of the finals between the Warriors and whoever might be there. I'm, I'm going to guess it's LeBron James and the Cavaliers in a in a repeat of last year and the year before. As well. There was a minute last night where I was thinking, i got to go back to Boston again on Monday too. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back for game seven. But now yeah, maybe maybe tomorrow. Kyrie's my, got you. Tomorrow might be my last trip to Boston. <laughs> Kyrie Irving has got you. We'll see you right here next time on the Hangtime Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes for a new episode every single Thursday this season. And as always, people, remember, say kuna matata. <laughs> <laughs>